Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans. He's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. CPAC, that big conservative conference every year. Should you care about it? Should you love it or hate it? We have Trump's speech there. We'll give you some of the highlights from that. And finally, a company stands up to the rage mob. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. What should you think about CPAC? Now, let me clarify. 
I realize some people out there may not even know what I'm talking about. Every year, every other year, I don't know, every once in a while, there's a gigantic conservative conference. It's almost always in Washington, D.C. I've been there a million times. They did one this year in Orlando, Florida. It's an invite for virtually everybody. The general public has to pay for tickets. Who goes? Well, everyone in my business. Everyone in TV, everyone in radio, everyone who has an online website somewhere. Well, I guess all, all websites are online, but you know what I'm talking about. Every writer, you write a book, you write articles, you go. All the politicians go. As you saw, we're going to bring you the Trump speech here, or at least the highlights of it here in just a second. Trump goes. All the senators go. The congressmen go. It's this gigantic catch-all event for the right. You believe anything, even center-right, come on down to CPAC. And people go, they watch a bunch of speeches. Not my thing, but some people love speeches. They go to these little panels where they'll invite three or four experts on there, and you go sit on the panel, you sit on the stage, and people ask you questions, and you have a long talk. I've gone, I've given speeches there, I've been on these panels before. It's a blast. I love it. I love CPAC. But what you get on on the right somewhat is this. Most of you, by the way, will never go, and that's fine, but I will encourage you to go if you're thinking about it next time they have one. But you get this from a lot of people on the right. Oh, I don't like CPAC. Oh, I, why'd they invite this guy to CPAC? Ew, after CPAC, how stupid. CPAC, this, this isn't about CPAC, what I'm about to say. What I'm about to say is the future of the country. The country you and I have to try to save. I mean, our culture is rotted out beneath us. We have to try to take it back now. We've got a lot of work to do, right? The future of the country means the right has to become more popular than it is now. I'm not saying we're unpopular, but we have to become more popular and take over more areas we don't currently have. One of the huge areas we do not currently have is entertainment. Now, I realize that's because the lefties run out anybody on the right and they control Hollywood and music exclusively. But we must be fun before we can be part of the entertainment culture in this country. And whenever there's an event where people on the right are joining together, having fun, taking pictures, woohoo, a couple beers together at night, that is a good thing. And it is also a good thing for you Like I said, I would encourage you to attend it if you ever get a chance to, for you to make sure you get yourself in an environment every once in a while where you don't feel alone. So many times I get emails from people, oh, Jesse, it's just me and my family in whatever, fill in the blank, liberal place. And they'll say, ah, it's terrible here. We're all alone. We're all alone. We're surrounded. We're all alone. People write it to me all the time. You need to get to places to remind yourself you're not alone. There are millions of people who think exactly like you. Any gigantic gathering, not just specific to CPAC, any gigantic gathering where people on the right are gathering, you should go if you can safely do so. That's just a fact. Go. It's one of the things I loved the most about Donald Trump. You know, I was a fan of a lot of what he did. Had some criticisms, which I've told you about on the, on the show before. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you again sometime. But Donald Trump made the right, made the GOP exciting. You see that line? That's the line for Donald Trump at CPAC. They had another rally. I have been to a Trump rally before when it came to Houston, where I live. It looked 
like a football game. And when I say a football game, I mean there was tailgating. When have you ever heard about a political event that was tailgating? There were entire little industries that would pop up. This little shop pops up here. I buy my Trump t-shirts, buy my Trump hats. The ladies are all dressed to the nines, looking like they're going out for a night on the town. It, it was like a rock concert. The music, the speaking. It, it doesn't have to be for you. And you don't have to take a great value in that kind of showmanship. That's fine if, it's not, if that's not for you. But you do have to recognize the value in it for the right. We have got to be fun. You remember those Trump boat parades, right? You probably didn't attend one. I never attended one. But they had these huge Trump boat parades where people on the coast anywhere would cruise up and down with their huge Trump flags. And look, I can understand for an older conservative generation, they looked a little, looked a little hedonistic, maybe? Not the word you're looking for? I mean, it's look, there were, everybody's in a bathing suit, got a bunch of dimes and bikinis, drinking beer. Woohoo, go Trump! I understand if it's not for you. I understand if you don't like it. It looked fun, though. And fun is what we have to do more of. We have to do funny. We have to do fun in order to take back entertainment, which is an important part of our culture. And it's another reason why we can't let Trump go. We can't let him go because he was good at fun, and we have more to learn about that. And Trump, right out of the gates, decides he needs to address the elephant in the room on... Is he going to start a new party? Because starting a new party would end the GOP. They just wouldn't be able to win any other election. Trump would take half the Republicans with him. Well, he said it. We will do what we've done right from the beginning, which is to win. We're not starting new parties. You know, they kept saying, he's going to start a brand new party. We have the Republican Party. It's going to unite and be stronger than ever before. I am not starting a new party. That was fake news. Fake news. No. Wouldn't that be brilliant? Let's start a new party and let's divide our vote so that you can never win. No, we're not interested in that. That was fake news. <laughs> Admit it. Even if you hate the guy, you miss him sometimes. But look, there. I'm glad he addressed it. And the truth is... As much as anything, what Trump just did, his announcement that there won't be a third party, is a gigantic stick in the eye to the guys he chose to name and blame because it means not only are you out of power now, you're not going to be coming back anytime soon. Instead of attacking me and, more importantly, the voters of our movement, top establishment Republicans in Washington should be spending their energy in opposing Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, and the Democrats. The Democrats don't have grandstanders like Mitt Romney, Little Ben Sass, Richard Burr, Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Pat Toomey. And in the House, Tom Rice, South Carolina, Adam Kinzinger, Dan Newhouse, Anthony Gonzalez, that's another beauty, Fred Upton, Jamie Herrera-Butler, Peter Meyer, John Katko, David Valadeo, and of course the warmonger, a person that loves seeing our troops fighting, Liz Cheney. How about that? 
Oof. Trump not exactly holding back, listing the names of the pro-impeachment Republicans. But for people like Liz Cheney, Trump choosing not to start a new party pretty much ends the Bush-Cheney era of leadership. I, I was thinking about it this weekend. Yes, I think every now and then. I was thinking about it this weekend. Isn't it amazing that we had President George H.W. Bush four years and then his son, President George Bush, eight years. And this is not exactly ancient history. This is pretty recently. And now, in the year 2021, they have virtually no influence on the party. No wonder they hate Trump so much. He just came in and took it from them. Trump did not hold back when addressing Biden. And uh, I have something to say about that, but watch first. We will fight the onslaught of radicalism, socialism, and indeed, it all leads to communism once and for all. That's what it leads to. We all knew that the Biden administration was going to be bad, but none of us even imagined just how bad they would be and how far left they would go. He never talked about this. We would have those wonderful debates. He would never talk about this. We didn't know what the hell he was talking about, actually. <laughs> Joe Biden has had the most disastrous first month of any president in modern history. That's true. Already, the Biden administration has proven that they are anti-jobs, anti-family, anti-borders, anti-energy, anti-women, and anti-science. In just one short month, we have gone from America first to America last. Not holding back there. You know why I enjoy this? And this is why. President Obama and President Bush both did this thing where they left office and said, I'm not going to criticize the guy. I'm not, look, I'm not going to criticize any future president. I'm just going to sit away. It wouldn't be right for me to do it and then spent the rest of their time passively, aggressively criticizing the guy. I hate that. You got something to say, come out and say it. You hate him. Come on out and tell everybody you hate him. Let's have a lot more honesty out there than we currently do. Trump get going on Biden. Biden has failed in his number one duty as chief executive enforcing America's laws. This alone should be reason enough for Democrats to suffer withering losses in the midterms and to lose the White House decisively four years from now. As you know, they just lost the White House, but it's one of those things. But who knows? Who knows? I may even decide to beat them for a third time, okay? Beat them for a third time. Okay, let's address the elephant in the room here. I may decide to beat them for the third time. I don't have any insider information on what I'm about to say, all right? I would tell you if I did. If I have a guy, you know I always tell you I have a guy. I have no guy. I have no insider source here. The people I know within Trump's inner circle, I've chosen not to ask them because I know everybody's asking them and you never want to be that guy. I have no knowledge whether Trump is thinking about actually running again in 2024 or not. I will just say, don't take statements like that last one to heart because Trump is, above all, a showman. 
And a showman would know that's going to be a guaranteed applause line, going to get the people going crazy, and going to make sure you and I tune in next time. That's a tune in next time thing. If he gets up there and says, I'm out, I'm not running again, he loses all kinds of your attention and my attention, and he loses political capital. Instead, he can stay out, think about running the whole time, choose to be a kingmaker if he doesn't run. And what's the mood of the Republican Party? We hear all the time from some snotty-nosed D.C. writer on the right that we have to purge Trumpism. Well, they did a poll at CPAC, and they, they, this was for 20 candidates, and here's how it worked out. With 20 candidates in the poll, 55% would vote for President Trump, 68% want him to run again, 21% would vote for Ron DeSantis Heavy D, 4% for Christy Nome. Drop note, Don, or Donald Trump had a 97% job approval rating of his time as President of the United States of America. And you didn't think, you didn't think we were going to get the whole CPAC segment without me giving my boy Heavy D the stage, did you? Florida's leading on the issues that matter to conservatives. We don't spout hollow rhetoric, we take decisive action. And what's true in Florida is true for conservatives across the nation. We cannot, we will not go back to the days of the failed Republican establishment of yesteryear. Hold the line, stand your ground, and don't ever, ever back down. Heavy D was bringing it. He had a lot to say. We will address that at another time. And finally, the other name you really hear, the name that I thought, frankly, would do better in this poll, only 4% surprised me, but South Dakota's great governor, Christy Nome. Now, Dr. Fauci, he told me that on my worst day, I'd have 10,000 patients in the hospital. On our worst day, we had a little over 600. Now... I don't, I don't know if you agree with me, but Dr. Fauci is wrong a lot. This pandemic illustrated that many politicians have a totally different vision for government than what the founders laid out. It was once said that the left takes its vision seriously, more seriously than it takes the rights of other people. They want to be our shepherds, but that requires us to be the sheep. Let it be heard loud and clear from us right now. We will not be sheep. I'm watching. I'm watching. Look, the truth is, she handled her state when it came to coronavirus and all the pressure on her when the going was tough. Remember, millions are going to die. She held fast. She held fast as much or more than Heavy D did. And I'm not going to forget about that. It's easy, it's really easy to be anti-coronavirus lockdowns now. But you remember what it was like. I remember what it was like a year ago when they were pushing all that panic out there. Christy Nome held strong. I'm watching, I'm interested, extremely interested. I do maintain, I'm not trying to be offensive, although nor I normally am, but I'm not trying to be offensive. I do maintain, I think she might be too hot to run for national office. I worry that may be threatening to some portion of the voters, but who knows? I'm all in. I like, the, I like how she handled South Dakota. I'm in. I'm watching. 
All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, here's what else should make you uncomfortable. Over 70%. That's the increase in cybercrime during this coronavirus lockdown madness of a year. You see, you went home and you started spending a lot more time online. For cyber thieves, that, that's, like a, that's like a wounded lamb stepping in front of a pack of wolves. These guys are cleaning up. And you know what the new hot thing they have out there is now? Home title theft. Something I didn't even know existed until I saw my home title with my signature and my wife's signature on it. Do not get burnt. <laughs> Believe me, do not get burnt. It's easy to stop it. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com, sign up. If you use the promo code RADIO, you get 30 days for free. We'll be back. I'm not going to bore you with the outrage that came from the symbols. People saw a bunch of left-wing idiots, looked at the CPAC stage and saw some Nazi symbolism on there. It's all just so very dumb. I'm not going to go into it, but I will say this. Hyatt Hotels, that's where CPAC was held. They got slaughtered by the left-wing mob. The left-wing mob came for them. Hyatt Hotels, to their credit, puts out this statement. Quote, We take pride in operating a highly inclusive environment, and we believe that the facilitation of gatherings is a central element of what we do as a hospitality company. We believe in the right of individuals and organizations to peacefully express their views, independent of the degree to which the perspectives of those hosting meetings and events of our hotels align with ours. Our own values support a culture that is characterized by empathy, respect, and diversity of opinions and backgrounds, and we strive to bring this to light through what we do and how we engage with those in care. Now, that's a long, long, very, very wordy email way of saying, no, we're not going to kick CPAC out, thanks, but no thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Hyatt Hotels. Thank you, at least some big company, for being able to do what others cannot. And that's stand up to the rage mob. And let me explain what happens. And I've done this before a long time ago on the show, but I need to do it again because I know we have so many business owners who run it. You have to change your mentality. Part of the reason the corporate world seems so leftist today is because a lot of them are leftists now. They just are. Look, you've got a bunch of commies running a bunch of Fortune 500 companies. It's not good. But there is another part of it. Another part of it is businesses are run by people stuck in an older mindset. And that older mindset is this. We have to respond to customer complaints. And how many complaints are there? But this is a different world. And when I say a different world, what I'm talking about is accessibility. Let's say it was 2000. We don't even have to go ancient. Let's go the year 2000. That's just 20 years ago. And let's say you're a psycho Marxist activist and uh, Aunt Jemima does something that make you mad. And you want to write Aunt Jemima. You want to get a hold of Aunt Jemima and let them know you're angry about it. How would you do that? Uh, what, go look at a syrup bottle in the store and try to find a 1-800 number? Maybe you find one, maybe you can't. It's not going to be in your phone book. Almost undoubtedly, you'd have to dig up the address. That means you're going to have to sit down and write a letter. But you're really mad and you do it anyway and you send it off. 
okay. Are you going to be able to get 10 of your friends, five of your friends, even 20 of your friends to do the same thing? Of course you aren't. Nobody's writing letters. No one's going to do that. So it just dies and fizzles out. Your little, your little weakling outrage just dies. What does Aunt Jemima get? They get a letter from some nut job. Hey, boss, should we address this? No, he seems like a psycho. All right, throw it away, and that's it. And that, that, was, the, that was the end of outrage. But companies now are way, way, way too connected. Yes, you always want to be out there watching, listening, figuring out what people want. That's, that's how you stay in business. But companies now, they have Twitter accounts. They have Facebook accounts. They have Instagram accounts. They have Locals accounts. Companies now are way too online. And so what happens is that same idiot today wants to, Aunt Jemima to change the logo. Aunt Jemima has no problem starting a hashtag campaign. Uh-oh. Or I mean, the commie has no problem starting a hashtag campaign. And sooner or later, you have 50, 70,000 people who are in contact with Aunt Jemima. And if you're at headquarters... You're not used to this. You think the world is coming to an end. You think, I have to do something. Uh, we, have to, we have to change. Everybody's mad. And you don't realize. There are just gigantic communist mobs that form online, and they come for you half the time. It's just to see if you'll do something about it. But these companies get so gun-shy, and everybody seems mad that then they react. Just put the phone down. They'll get bored with it. 24, 48 hours. As soon as they see you're not bending, they'll go away. Just look, what have I told you to do individually? I'm talking to companies now. Do this. Are you watching this? Here's the technique. That's it. Just put the phone down and walk away for a while and ignore them. You're allowed to ignore children. You don't always have to give children what they want. In fact, almost universally, that's the wrong thing to do. Just ignore them. It'll pass. People are mad at me all the time. I never care. But I'm a sociopath, so that doesn't really count. All right, we have a great show tonight. We have T.W. Shannon tonight. We have Kyle Olson tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about Andrew Breitbart. And the end of our show, we're going to pay homage to a legend tonight. You will enjoy it. Hang on. Joining me now, former Speaker of the House in Oklahoma and current CEO of Chickasaw Bank, T.W. Shannon. T.W., we're going to get to being Speaker of the House, which is really cool here in a minute. But as a bank owner, I have this theory, if you'll indulge me for a second, about business owners today, that they are under fire all the time to think and do certain things because people simply have more access to them than they ever did before. If you were mad 20 years ago, you had to write someone a letter. Or maybe call and wait on hold for an hour to talk to T.W. Shannon. Now you can get him on Twitter 20,000 times and get all your commie buddies to do the same. And it makes businesses more susceptible to the rage mob. Yeah, there's no question that the scrutiny that, that, that conservatives come under, particularly those of us that are business leaders, uh, it's, it's nothing that, like we've never seen in America before. Maybe under McCarthyism at one point. I mean, that's really what we've turned into. Sometimes it feels more like we're living in the 1950s in Russia when you look at what's happening with the left attacking conservatives, uh, not being fair, whether it be big tech or you're talking about the Golden Globes. Um, it, it doesn't matter. You know, Hollywood, big tech, the, um, the you know, big education, 
they're, they're all in the same group trying to silence conservatives. And, I, and they really got their, 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 you know, their second wind when they silenced the president of the United States. I mean, the idea that you could silence the president of the United States, I think that's where they saw it. But I, I think what you're going to find out, and I saw this at conservative, I, I saw this at CPAC, conservatives are uniting around the country. I mean, they're recognizing, and it's not just conservatives, frankly. I've got friends who aren't necessarily conservatives who recognize, yeah, I think they've gone too far. And so I, I think you're going to see a real awakening this next election cycle where Americans are saying enough is enough. The First Amendment still reigns supreme in the United States of America, and we're going to have to find ways to push back. That's why I appreciate networks and, and programs like you, Jesse, who are on the front lines keeping the, the, the communication open and keeping the door open for anybody. Oh, I appreciate it. I've, and I've been to CPAC a million times. I opened this show encouraging people to go to CPAC next time they have one. I, I plan on going next time. I'll see you there. I'll meet you. We'll have a beer at TW. But I, <laughs> I think it's important for people to realize they're not alone. That's why I encourage people to go to these things because so many times I talk to people, I get emails all the time, people feel alone. They're surrounded in their community. They just don't feel like there are many of them. They need to go and experience that there are people all over the country who feel like you and I feel. You know, I, I was at CPAC. I had a chance to speak on, on Friday. Uh, we talked about the mob mentality that existed. And after my speech, you wouldn't believe the number of people that I had come up to me who just said, you know, telling me their story about how they've been attacked, how they've been subjected in a classroom or on the job. I mean, we know these things happen as conservatives. We've all been a part of it. But these stories were pretty remarkable. But I will tell you the good thing about what's happening, you know, and I, I give Donald Trump, President Trump, full credit for this. The party has expanded tremendously. We are a big tent party. And I will tell you, CPAC was a great example of that. I saw people from all walks of life, people with blue hair, purple hair, and they were all there <laughs> because they believe that less government is a much better model than big government. It's because we've seen it through the pandemic of how the left has expanded the bounds of government to control every bit of our life. And I think people are recognizing that, you know, in America, you know, the, the greater the freedom, the greater the wealth, right? I mean, people form governments for the protection of people, not to tell us whether we're essential or, non, or non-essential. As conservatives, we believe every person is essential. And government, you know, has been the spreader around the world forever of really misery. That's what government, big governments do. They spread misery by, by limiting freedoms. And that's why those of us that are for limited government, those of us that, those of us that gathered at CPAC, we recognize that. And I will tell you, we're not alone. The, the, the Make America Great Again uh, agenda, the America First agenda, it is still relevant in America, and I think it's growing, as a matter of fact. T.W., how do we stay a big tent party, as you described it, without watering down what the party stands for? I, and I realize it's a delicate balance, and I don't have an appropriate answer for, for, for what I'm asking you. What do we do there? Look, we want to be a place where somebody with blue hair, blue hair can come walking in. At the sure. same time, I hate the word inclusive. I think it's the most overused word in the country. I think it's a great way to explain why everything's gone to crap around here. How do we merge those two worlds? Well, the first thing we have to do is we need conservatives running at all levels of government. We need people running yes. on the school board, city council elections, state elections, and certainly on a national ticket as well. But we, we've, in, in addition to that, we as conservatives, we have to show up for events 
that aren't necessarily political. We have to be there and we have to tell our story. We cannot be intimidated by the left. I think we've ceded too much ground, Jesse, whether it be Hollywood or college campuses. Conservatives, we've, con we've conceded way too much ground. And I think as we think about, you know, we lost a true champion of conservative principles in Rush Limbaugh just last week, and, and we've all been mourning uh, his passing. I think the best thing that we can do to celebrate the life of Rush Limbaugh is go tell our story. Don't be afraid. Don't cater to the mob. Don't allow the threats that come uh, from social media to, to squelch your vo voice. We have a voice, uh, and I think it's a majority voice, frankly. I think people, when, they, when they're really asked about how they're going to see, you know, their, their grandkids and their, and, their, and their kids, you know, what do we all want? We want a better future and a better opportunity. And I think it's the conservative value, the conservative message that's actually going to deliver that for most Americans and, and for all Americans, frankly. And I think most Americans recognize that. T.W., to what you just said, uh, one of my buddies is a Mexican dude, and he said, look, I never saw a Republican running for office. He never, they, he never came to my neighborhood until I moved out to the suburbs. He's, out there, he's in the burbs. He said, but when I was growing up in my crappy neighborhood, I never saw one. And he, he complained about that. He said, I, how am I supposed to ever become a Republican if I don't see one? And I agree. I, I think Republicans are too scared to go to places they don't feel like they're going to be welcome, and they might end up being very welcome. No, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, we I, we had a chance during the, the, this last presidential campaign. As you know, I was the chair of Black Voices for Trump, and we were in places all over the country telling the story of the great agenda that, that Donald Trump had laid out. And, you know, you would be surprised the number of people that said, you know, I believe it. I, I, you know, that's exactly what we've been looking for. We've just never heard it. So we've got to have the, we have the right message. You know, as conservatives, we're right on values. We're right on taxes. We're right on life. We're right on the Constitution. But it's not enough just to be right. You have to go tell your story and make the case. And you got to have the right messengers to do that. And we haven't always done that. But I think that, you know, CPAC, if it taught us any, if it's taught us anything over the last weekend, what we've witnessed is. The conservative movement is as strong as it's ever been, and I think the Democrats know it. I think there's going to be a tsunami come this next election because the Democrats have done what they do best, which is go way too far. T.W., was it cool being Speaker of the House in Oklahoma? Like, did you get out of speeding tickets and stuff? Be honest. <laughs> no, I, I paid every speeding ticket that I got. Unfortunately, I got way too many of them. It was the thrill of a lifetime, you know, for a guy you know, who was born in Oklahoma. I didn't have any political connections. I didn't have any, you know, any wealth to speak of. I was just a guy who was willing to outwork the next guy. And as a result, I was rewarded by my colleagues with the highest uh, position in the legislature. And it was a thrill of a lifetime to get to do it. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, but I enjoyed every minute of it. But I think it just goes to speak to what this country is all about and how it how we, you know, how my election and the election of so many conservatives and so many minorities speaks against what the left would have you to believe that America is systemically racist, that America is the land of systemic racism. It's not. America is the land of systemic opportunity. And I'm just one great example of that. Uh, this, this, this nation has afforded me a tremendous opportunity to, out, to live out my faith, to, to earn a living for my family, and to believe what I want to believe. That's what a free republic is all about. And we as conservatives, we've got a lot to celebrate, and we just got to go tell that story and make the case. Amen. T.W. Shannon, thank you, my man. I appreciate you very much. Thank you, Jesse.
How about that? Systemic opportunity. That's a great line right there. I'm going to steal that from TW and act like I said it. All right, y'all. We'll be back. Do you remember all that Trump video we showed you at the beginning of the show? I want you to just keep in your keep in your head for a second Trump giving that speech at CPAC at the beginning of the show. And I want you to just take in that we threw out that guy for this guy. Uh, I think he's getting on a plane. He told me last, he came in to see me last event. And representatives, uh, Shirley Jackson Lee, Al Green, Sylvia Garcia, Lizzie Pinelli, uh, uh, excuse me, Pinnell, and uh, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here. And uh, uh, Mayor Turner, Judge Hidalgo, uh, thank you all for welcoming us. Joining me now to talk about that and other things is a reporter for Breitbart News, Kyle Olson. Kyle, I know, look, I know it's petty and childish. I can't get over that we tossed out somebody else and chose this guy. I just, I can't wrap my mind around it. Well, and not only that, but this guy supposedly got the most votes ever of any American political candidate ever. I mean, is that, it, it's just, it, it absolutely is mind boggling. And this, of course, this was last Friday in Houston, um, but this is not the, the first time that he has had this sort of, I, I wouldn't even call it a gaffe, a brain freeze. Uh, I, I don't know how you describe it, but he had these throughout the campaign um, and he would have these in, before crowds of a couple hundred people. He would just, he was not an inspiring candidate. And yet we're supposed to believe this guy is the most inspiring um, rallying candidate for the American cause ever. Kyle, I, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a reporter because I have no integrity whatsoever. You, however, do. And you have things oh. called sources. Do we actually know how he's doing? Do we know what he's doing? You don't see much of him. It's one speech or one interview every other day. We all assumed they would hide him in the basement. It looks like that's what's happening. But is, is that true? Well, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, and I was thinking, you know, during the campaign, he was he wasn't traveling a lot, but he was traveling more than he is now. And so he's able to sort of sit in the White House. He doesn't have to travel a lot. He can have virtual meetings and uh, and he can sort of sort of take it easy. But um, it's, it's hard to say what's going on. But what what I don't understand is how you can see these sorts of videos. And this is not just you know, kind of stumbling through a couple words in a teleprompter. He, there's legitimate questions about what exactly is happening here. And from what I can't understand, what I can't understand is why the mainstream media just simply isn't asking questions. Like, you know, he, he claimed during the campaign that he was taking cognitive assessments apparently every day. He said, at one point he said, I'm taking them every day. Um, they don't ask to see those. The White House doesn't release those. And if you remember during the campaign, a reporter from CBS actually asked him, was he going to take one? And uh, Biden got very aggressive. He accused the guy of doing drugs. And if he if he took a, a drug <laughs> test to, to get his job, I mean, this is the way he reacts. And so these are legitimate questions, but for whatever reason, the media is not asking. No, for what I think we all know the reason. And by the way, if you get to the point where you're taking cognitive tests every day, maybe that <laughs> should be a red flag. But all right, let's set that aside. I actually want you to watch this here because I'm going to get your reaction. 
The Biden administration is actually bragging about the classroom education they are providing to migrant children on the border, while at the same time, millions of American children are having their futures destroyed by Joe Biden's anti-science school closures. Think of it. We're educating students on the border, but our own people, children of our citizens, citizens themselves, are not getting the education that they deserve. There's no reason whatsoever why the vast majority of young Americans should not be back in school immediately. The only reason that most parents do not have that choice is because Joe Biden sold out America's children to the teachers' unions. Kyle, let me ask you this, because I, I, I can't figure this out. Is this a winner for Republicans? Look, I'm anti-government schools, so I don't want kids to go back to school. I want all the government schools to shutter, and I want the buildings to collapse, and I want the earth salted on which they stood, and everybody to be homeschooled or private schooled. But that's me. Is this a mm -hmm. winning issue for Republicans or not? You know, that's a good point, because there have been so many people who have said, we don't want to have kids in government schools because they're teaching critical race theory, and they're teaching all kinds of horrible you know, sex education lessons to little kids. And, and so I, I think that's a legitimate concern. On the other hand, the vast majority of parents have said, have, have made the decision that they want their child to go to a public school. They signed up and the, and part of the deal in there is that kids go to school five days a week. And there's a lot of situations where both parents are working and so they're able to work a, 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 you know, a work schedule around kids going to school and all of that sort of thing. But what we're seeing in places like Michigan, where I live, or California, New York, I mean, just go Pennsylvania, go right down the list. There are school districts where the CDC says it's safe to reopen. You can reopen. Um, but they're just simply refusing to do that because of the teachers union. There's, to me, there's a direct correlation between school districts where the teachers union is strong, either in the administration or the school board, and the absolute refusal to listen to parents and reopen schools. And what I thought was so good about that comment was he, he contrasted what's happening in the border because what he is referring to is last week when the whole kids in cages hypocrisy came up. Jen Psaki, the press secretary at the White House, said, well, you know, we have to have these facilities, they call them facilities now, um, because kids have to have an education. Well, last time I checked, the law says that kids can only be in these facilities for 72 hours. So why is the Biden administration fighting to give kids in these facilities an education when they're only going to be there for 72 hours and they're not demanding that schools across the country reopen for the good of American citizens. Kyle, Andrew Breitbart, everybody can see him over your shoulder there. I want people who are maybe newer to the movement or, or newer to conservatism. I know we have a bunch of young people who watch. I want people to explain I want you to explain what he meant to the movement and his mentality, because it was more than anything. That's what got me. You see the hashtag war right over your shoulder. Explain Andrew Breitbart for people who didn't know. I, I was fortunate to meet Andrew in, I think it was about 2010, 2011. And um, to me, he's someone who was fearless 
and he was willing to call people out. He was willing to name names. He said radical things like, everyone is a journalist because you have a phone with a camera and you should record in classrooms. You should record uh, uh, public officials. You are, everyone is a citizen journalist. And that was, that was radical thinking. And of course, people at the New York Times and CNN and all of those sort of stuffy establishment places, you know, they look down their noses at places like Breitbart um, or the Federalist or or any other, or the First, uh, any other place like that. But this is the new media. And what I loved about Andrew and why I'm so happy that I can work at Breitbart News is because he was fearless. He wanted to get to the truth. He wanted to expose evildoers and leftists who are trying to destroy our country. And I think that's what his website and so many others now are, are doing as well. Kyle Olson, you're the best, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. We're not done. It's time to pay homage to a legend. Hang on. I know you've seen Cuomo in the news, all over the news. Well, you know what? Let's set Andrew Cuomo aside for a moment, and let's choose to honor a man who once ran against Andrew Cuomo in his political party, pardon my French here, I'm not making this up, I have to tell you the name of the party, was the Rent is Too Damn High party. His name was Jimmy McMillan, and I will always remember where I was when I watched the Cuomo debate and watched the great Jimmy McMillan drop this hammer. People working eight hours a day and 40 hours a week to some a third job. Women can't afford to take care of the children, feed the children breakfast, lunch, and dinner. My main job is to provide a roof over your head, food on the table, and money in your pocket. This is politics as usual. Playing a silly game. It's not going to happen. The rent too damn high movement, the people I'm here to represent can't afford to pay their rent. They're being laid off right now as I speak. They can't eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Listen, someone's stomach, chill, child's stomach just growled. Did you hear it? You gotta listen like me. Okay. Let's Mr. talk Mick about Mullen. the issue. Mr. People can't Mr. afford Mr. to Cuomo, pay their rent. 30 Stop. seconds for you, sir. Rent is too damn high. As a karate expert, I will not talk about anyone up here because our children can't afford to live anywhere. Nowhere. There's nowhere to go. Once again, why? You said it, the rent is too damn high. Thank you. I'll see you tomorrow. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
a laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans. He was on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane. And he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's your favorite throwback podcast hosts, Jessica Bennett and Susie Banacaram, here to announce a new season of our show, In Retrospect which means a whole new batch of episodes diving into the pop culture moments we love and love to pick apart. From the dethroning of the first black Miss America to the legacy of a lesbian joke from four Kaftan-loving Golden Girls. Listen to In Retrospect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.